Welcome, everyone. You're listening to The Morning After on Heritage Radio Network. I am your host today, Jesse Kiefer, producer of The Morning After. Uh, this is my first day in the host chair, and uh, I'm here with my lovely co-host, Jen Tullock. Jen, how do I, how do I look today? And be descriptive and, uh, and honest, please. Jesse, I've never seen you look better. You are rocking that flannel it's, in a way it's, I haven't seen since the Cobain days. Thank you so much. I mean, that's you know one of my biggest influences is grunge. Um, I know that absolutely, and I know that's that what I'm going to be taking to uh, to the show today. Uh, we have we have a great lineup uh, in studio. Kevin Mahan, managing partner of Gramercy Tavern, as well as uh, David Trotta, director of operations for Jack's Stir Brew, and um, along with him is James Dalton, who is his mandolin player. And David's a, a multi-talented gentleman. Obviously, um, he plays guitar in a band called Trotta and Ronstadt, and you were telling me earlier, just like Linda Ronstadt, actually. Yeah, uh, Michael, the cello player, is Linda Ronstadt's nephew. That's that's fantastic. So I, I, I love the name. And uh, so happy to see Jen across from me. Uh, it's lovely to be we, here with you, Miss Kiefer. Thank you so much. Uh, we debuted a new segment last week called Front of House. And it's kind of about front of house mishaps that I'm sure a lot of the listeners have, have been through. Um, and today's chapter two. Yeah, on both sides of the fence. Now, I... I'm not going to betray our ages, Jesse, because we're both young bucks still. Mm -hmm. But you and I both worked in the industry for a number of years. And we all know what it's like to have a server who perhaps is new to the biz and is having a bit of a struggle. So uh, in today's segment of Front of House, I'd like to visit a time when I was that server. Oh, the suspense. Do we get to guess... uh what restaurant this is again? It, so as uh, part of the great mystery of the front of house s- sequence, uh, we always, at the end of the show, I think we're going to try to guess which restaurant we're talking about. Now, each of these stories are written with love. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. This Roll us in with that theme music, Jack. All right, ladies and gentlemen. When I was hired as a server at Restaurant X, my only previous service experience was a Marriott retirement community and two weeks at a Texas roadhouse in Decatur, Illinois. By the grace of a few friends and a series of blatant lies, I found myself working at a fine dining French bistro on 43rd Street. I was terrified of being exposed as an imposter, which is what I was, and desperately needed the money, so I told myself I'd just keep a low profile. This, I would soon find out, is impossible in a well-lit room with three caffeinated managers. I was constantly being criticized for my lack of wine knowledge, told to carry plates differently, reminded to serve from the left and clear from the right, and above all, to crumb the tables. To leave a table uncrumbed at Restaurant X was met with the same disdain as leaving your baby in a hot car. Now, of the many tedious devil rituals they force you to perform in fine dining, few are less important than the art of crumbing. Crumbing, for those of you less familiar, is the process of taking a tiny metal shoehorn-looking device and scraping it along the table until all the crumbs are swept onto a napkin or a bread plate. Now, I didn't yet know the difference between a Bordeaux and a Burgundy glass, but goddammit, I could crumb. This particular spring day, I'd been assigned to work brunch, otherwise known as Mimosa Purgatory, and was pleased to learn I would be serving a celebrity. Madam Celebrity, as we shall call her, was a TV star on a hit show and a frequent guest at Restaurant X. She was infamously particular, and I knew if I could nail this, my job would be safe for at least a few more shifts. Now, the first half of her brunch was a breeze. Wine was poured, food was delivered, coffee was hot. And then it happened. As Madam Celebrity was finishing the last bite of her BLT, I noticed the owner of Restaurant X, a six-foot-tall Texan, looming behind me. We made eye contact, at which point he cleared his throat and stared at Madam Celebrity's table. 
I smiled back at him, confused. He cleared his throat again and pointed. I had not crumbed. Fine, I thought. This is fine. Just grab a bread plate and do the damn thing. But there was no bread plate on the table, and the server station was on the other side of the restaurant. My mouth went dry from panic, and I proceeded on pure animal instinct. Grabbing Madam Celebrity's nearly empty wine glass, I swept all of the table's crumbs into the glass, hands shaking violently. Not a graceful execution, I thought, but the deed is done. It was then that Madam Celebrity grabbed my wrist and pinned it to the table with five bony witch fingers, forcing my face closer to hers. I wasn't finished with the wine. My time at Restaurant X, however, was totally finished. My neck was saved three days later when it was announced that Restaurant X was up for sale, so I was let go, quote unquote, with everyone else instead of being fired, which is what I totally deserved. I learned a lot that spring about wine regions, about coursing, how to tie a tie. But most importantly, I learned that in this whirlwind business of food, you just never, ever take wine from an old lady. Thank you. Incredible. All right. 350 people in studio today. (laughs) Whole people, exactly. Um, We're going to move on to break. Uh, We're all going to debate what restaurant this was and we're going to come back with uh, Kevin Mahan managing partner of Gramercy Tavern and we're definitely going to ask him about crumbing Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Welcome back to The Morning After on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host today, Jesse Kiefer. Uh, producer of The Morning After, along with my fabulous co-host, Jen Tullock. Howdy doody. Uh, coming into our next segment, I uh, am incredibly excited to have in studio Kevin Mahan, Managing Director of Gramercy Tavern. It's great to be here. Good to see you. Um, so this is kind of, I, you know, Danny Meyer, he's a huge deal in New York City. Um, kind of the epitome of hospitality. I I was thinking of it like, some people have a come to Jesus moment. Uh, what was your come to Danny moment? Um, that's a very interesting question. I think it had to do with me personally. Um, just in, in life, I, I had basically uh, gotten through up up until two thousand, early two thousands. Get coming up here. Just I put my head down. I worked. I didn't. I didn't really care. I, I cared that I was doing well, but I didn't care. Uh, that I was getting any real feedback or positive reinforcement because I just one I I didn't I probably didn't get much earlier on in life and 
and I just wanted to work harder and harder and just kept, I would work my fingers to the bone. And one day he stopped me um, and he said, this was, I was a manager for a year or two. And um, he stopped and said, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. And I, and I deflected it just like I deflected so many other compliments. And I was like, no, 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 no. And he he grabbed me um, probably much like the five finger, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, but not, not probably not as scary. And he just said, listen, I gave you a compliment and you needed it and you deflected it. He goes, that's your problem. And I'll never forget. I tell that story all the time because here I was working that if there was any one thing that I was working towards, it was that moment. It was what he gave me. And, and I was in my mindset, just, you know, tunnel vision and just was like, no, I wasn't going to. And I, I, you know, through my, you know, clenched teeth said, thank you. Um, and, but from there on, it was, that was a moment where it just, for me and, and him and just how hard we all work, um, but not only being able to work that hard, but be also being able to appreciate your own successes. Uh, but so for if there was a cl- clear moment with me and Danny, not about my career with him, but uh, that was a moment he and I had together that I will never forget. Um, that was great. So, And I mean, to to have someone like him, and I, I, I'm assuming you were just feeling like there's no way I'm living up to these standards. I don't even think I was. I even thought that I was on the scale. Yeah, like I, you just uh, coming into New York um, and, and being at a place like that, and in, in, within in a company of, I just, you know, a lot of people say it when they come to our company. Like I just never experienced anything like that, where you work so hard but are also taken care of so well. And um, it was, yeah. I, but I definitely felt like I was far from even making the grade. So. Um, I had hoped, but I wasn't about to even like stop to say, "Hey, am I doing okay?" I just it wasn't in my nature. I just wanted to keep moving forward. So, and and how long have you been there at this point? Uh, that was probably a year or two. One, it, one. A year or two in, and in, then how long have you been working? I, I had for? been there less, just under a year when I became a manager, and then it was probably in my first year being a manager uh, that that was that moment for me. And how long have you been there um, from from there now? on? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just had my 13 year anniversary. Oh wow! Lucky 13. Congrats! Congrats! <laughs> can't you see the gray? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> you've you've had your all. bar mitzvah. You've had your Gramercy Tavern bar mitzvah. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, and and you talking about like living up to the standards and not feeling on the scale. Um, I mean, the the way you know someone coming in as a guest feels so taken care of there it's good to hear that you feel taken care of but how do you keep that like hospitality face on constantly because we all know in the industry like things get ugly well i think that one of the things i mean the whole the different kind of environment or climate if you will is that so many places and people that i've worked at them too is you're working more in fear of like waiting for the shoe to drop or waiting to get caught crumbing into a wine glass or and then that being not a moment for you to learn and a lesson but a reason to like you know break you and throw you out the door and that's not that's not what the whole that's definitely not what Danny and the whole company are about and you know we've all had bad days we've all made mistakes or we've all you know never been in that situation before um so it's. I think that that's one thing is that it is a two way street. We have so many people that are in this business that are not in this business for life. This is my career, mm-hmm. 
But we've had along the way to just kind of develop a relationship with the staff that we do have, like whether it's riding their dogs, sailing. I don't, it doesn't really matter what it is, but a dialogue and a two-way street that I'm, gonna, I'm hopefully going to get you to a schedule that helps you take care of what you love, mm-hmm. whether it's your partner, what doesn't matter. Um, but when you walk in this store, I'm going to make it very clear what's important to me. And um, I think, I mean, that's just, it's, that's adult, it's fair, it's a relationship, it's, uh, it's a dialogue. And that it's, you know, it's, and people want, when, when, when it's, you know, if somebody comes up and says, oh my God, I have the most amazing audition tomorrow. Uh, if I've known that person long enough for, you know, just to get to know them and they, they say that to me and they say, and I'm going to try to get my shift cover, I'm going to look at them and say, don't worry about it. You know, it, it's... It's a family. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that when it feels like, listen, we, we do work really hard. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to keep that hospitality face on some of the times when it's crazy busy. But I think when, when you're somebody on, on, the, on, the, on the side of the restaurant and you know that the restaurant, the owners, the rest of the team have your back and care about what you care about, it makes a world of difference. And I would imagine elicits the the hardest work from your servers. I mean, as I'm speaking from that perspective, and I know that's the kind of management I work the hardest for and in the most honest way. Yeah. Because if it's an open line of communication, like you said, that's that's the best way to execute what is otherwise a very difficult thing to execute, which is the art of running a floor. Yeah. I mean, and we give people the opportunity to surprise us, not disappoint us. You know, not mm-hmm. we're not setting people up to... Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, that's the that's the worst thing is when I, uh, you know, I interviewed uh, a, a young woman years ago now, and she was at one of these, you know, three four star French restaurants. Who I was just like, well, how's it going? She goes, well, they trained me for one day and then put me on the floor. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That's not. I mean, that's that is setting someone up to fail, and that's easy to do in this business and in this town because. The demands and the expectations of the client of the guest in this town are unmatched. Um, so, I mean, then especially at Gramercy Tavern, they're high. They're, they're high. <laughs> they are. Um, how long has Gramercy been around? Uh, how uh, many years? Actually, we don't just know. had our 18-year anniversary wow. uh, in July. So I, you know, to talk about Gramercy Tavern makes me want to talk about Eleven Madison Park and Will Gadara and uh, Daniel Hume, and there's been a lot of press on them about kind of um, reinventing themselves or reinventing service or reinventing what they're doing. How does, how does Gramercy kind of reinvent and keep itself 18 years old feeling fresh? Um, it's, I, for me, it's, it's in the, the, the team that we attract. Um, we are always looking and pushing If somebody wants to be in this business, they're going to come in and we're going to push them very hard to be. Somebody says, listen, I want to be a manager in this company. As soon as they say that, they raise their hand, they put their name in the hat. We start acting and treating them like that and and start pointing out places where, listen, this, you know, where this is not representative of somebody that wants to be a manager or or even a captain or a bartender. And um and we're following their lead. You know, if you want to be pushed, we're going to push you. And what that ends up doing for us is we push a lot of people out. Like mm-hmm. we push them to the point where it's time for them to either go be beverage director somewhere or a GM or AGM or um, whatever it might be. Or they're there while they get their master's degree at Columbia and then leave. Like, And I think it's a constant influx and rotation of just great, driven, intelligent people that come into that restaurant who 
when you sit down, they may not be career waiters, but they're they're going to be passionate um, and 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 smart and just. Uh, I think that's it, and that's in the back of the house as well, um, because there's a lot of people that have been in this business biz industry, front and back, that mm-hmm. don't want to do this forever. Um, but I think that that young, driven energy, and we always look to have people add to our, um, to what we're doing. I, I don't care if you've been there for five days. If you have a great idea, you have a great idea, and it should be something that we should consider and, and incorporate. And that's an open dialogue always. And I think that, again, going back to the fear thing, I think a lot of people go down and just don't want to get in trouble and don't want to. And at a lot of places where you say, hey, at my last restaurant, the first thing they say is, we're not your last restaurant. It's like, you know what? Maybe they were doing it better mm-hmm. at their last restaurant, whatever it might be, you know, the expediting of food or, you know, the, the polishing glasses. I don't know what it might be, but we're never against like a great idea to get us better and I think that that whole energy of attracting young talented um, inspired people and being well, willing to change because we've changed so many things over 18 years whether it's the Mies trays we use or how we ring up stuff or the, the organization of the bar or the barista stage you know it's you can you can think that you know it all and are doing it perfectly but you're not I mean yeah there is always a way to do it better always and I mean, and, and with you talking about new blood, I can only imagine with, I'm sure you have hardcore regulars at Gramercy. Yes. And for someone who's been coming in for 18 years to, to have new people to talk to and have new conversations, I'm sure that actually, yeah, creates a, a, a new feeling for them as well. It's a, it's a, it, it is a new feeling. But for me, uh, I just had this conversation with Danny last week is that this is one of the biggest challenges. And I've, I've wanted to find a way to thank our regulars. Mm-hmm for retraining our staff like because you have regulars that we've known for you know three to 11 years who have very particular you know likes they like that particular seat at the bar or they like the ice on the side with their iced tea it doesn't really matter what it is but it takes a lot of effort in my opinion on our regulars to go through the whole process of you know a couple years ago we changed over the entire bar team that was hard for our, mm-hmm. our, some of our regulars. You know, they know that we're going to take care of them at the end of the day, that if we see them and I walk by and they don't have the particular bread that they like that, you know, that, that we grilled, um, I'm going to get it. But it's for them, it's a process of kind of being part of this project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish there was a way to kind of... They, they do a lot of the heavy lift for us as well, which is just a... Their quality control. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, I was I was on the web, the Gramercy website, and I remember having a conversation with you uh, probably a few months ago about uh, about vintage beer. Yeah, and I, I as I understand you you do the vintage beer list. Right? I or do I do the, the, whole the beer, beer list. list now. That was the one that was one of the things that I think got me locked in with Paul Greco back in the day uh-huh. was because I you know and I I hope I'm not telling Paul, Paul Greco out. was he Paul Greco was a captain at Gramercy Tavern. He was, well, he was and a captain, director. and then he created a role for himself that everybody in the business hates him for because he was the AGM service director and beverage director. So <laughs> there is there's the impossibilities of living up to that are just endless. So um, and worked four nights on the floor, um, at, you know you know Wednesday through Saturday night, which is all of that said, but. Back then, when he was it, when I was there as the first year manager and a bever- he was the beverage director, I kind of wrestled the beer program away from him back then because he didn't really have 
the, the well, considering what he had on his plate, didn't probably didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. And I, he wasn't nearly as passionate as he is now about beer and mm-hmm. knowing about it and appreciating it. And I think he was just and the beer world in New York at that time in nineteen in two thousand was drastically different. Oh, there was I'm n- sure n- there was n- not uh, what was craft beer Sierra Nevada. No, craft beer at the time we had you had the what you had the choice of was Rogue, Carol Stouds, uh you had Brooklyn, uh and Southampton was around, but other than that you had a stretch and now the difficulty is choose like what not to put on mm-hmm. the list. Um versus that. So the vintage so and uh Kevin Gary, one of our managers, he's the director of operations for the um I'm a, I don't remember the name of, but the Delanima group, Delanima Lartuzzi yeah, guys. Yeah, I think I've met him. He was a manager of ours um, and assistant beverage director. And we had some vintages of beer on our list, on our regular list. And he said, why don't we do a, a vintage page? And Does I anyone s- else do that? Uh, not that I know of. I mean, uh, going back to 11 Madison Park, mm-hmm. they may. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they have a, an incredible beer list as well. Um, and I know that after we did ours... Um, Blind Tiger, who I, I know Dave and those guys over there, they put up a chalkboard. They because they had a, like a, their own inventory and library of beers. They also have um, some vintage beers on right now. Um, but as other restaurants, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. But well, it's been so great talking to you, uh, and I hate great to, to, be to cut us at beer. But we will be moving on to another beverage shortly. Um, going to take a break. We're going to come back with David Trotta, director of operations for uh, Jackster Brew Coffee. The morning after. from the Heritage Meat Shop. Are you tired of just hearing buzzwords? Do you want to actually take part in the food revolution? Then come on down to the Heritage Meat Shop, located in New York's historic Essex Street Market, on the corner of Essex and Delancey. We have rare breed pork, beef, poultry, lamb, and goat, not to mention charcuterie that'll make you squeal. All raised right, by the right people, so you know they'll taste right. Try the meat that over 100 New York chefs ache for. Come to the Heritage Meat Shop and pick up some revolution today. For more information, visit heritagemeatshop.com. Work. Happy to be in studio today with a, a good friend of mine uh, who happens to be the director of operations at my favorite coffee place in New York City, David Trotta, a multi-talented man, musician, and coffee expert. Uh, here with us today to talk about Jack's. Now, let's start with the name, David. Jack's Stir Brew Coffee. Can you tell us what that actually means? Well, I think there's there's two parts of that because everybody always come in and say, oh, wait, oh, there actually is a Jack? So, yeah, first off, there is a Jack. Jack lives a, above our 10th Street location. How old is he? Coast. I imagine him being... He's 106 <laughs> years old. You know what? No one knows. Uh, <laughs> the, the current poll is saying that he's 37, but I, I think he might be older now. Oh, he, that's disappointing. He looks, he looks good. A young fellow. Yeah. 
Um, so no, he's actually he's like forty two. It's a it's a mystery. Um, so Jack Stirbrew Coffee. What is Stirbrew Coffee? Um, Jack actually patented uh, a brewer called the Stirbrewer um, when he was conceiving the store. The first inception of the store was, you know, I want to I want to own my own business and I want to create a sense of community. So I was like, okay, perfect coffee shop. Everybody's third place. You go to work. You go home. Go to a coffee shop. Everybody can come hang out. And and the whole idea about a sense of community. Jack's a North Jersey Italian guy like me. That's why we get along. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship works very well. Um, you know, he was always being the Italian American club. His dad owned the auto body shop in town. So he, uh, everywhere oh, he, he was went, doing it right. Yeah, he was doing it right. Totally. <laughs> so he kind of wanted to recreate that whole feeling. He's like, okay, perfect, a coffee shop. So he's. Running around the city, finding little single-origin rows, trying to pick out, you know, the blend for the coffee shop. Because he's like, I have to make my own blend. So he'd grab a pound of coffee, come home, grind it up, throw it in the French press. And, you know, when you French press, you stir the coffee. So he's thinking, oh my, okay, why is there no coffee maker that stirs the coffee while it brews? This, is, this, has, got, this has got to be made. This is my thing. I want to do something unique. I want to do something different. I want to bring the best product I can to the market. And I think this is the way to do it. So... He hooks up with his dad's friend, Ronnie, out in Jersey, who's a great engineer, um, and they build the prototype. And then they build the first machine, and they open the store with the, with the stir brewer. Now, is, are the current models you use still essentially this, that same prototype? I mean, it's still the same basis, but we're on to you know, the fourth generation of A little of more bells and whistles now. Yeah, there's some more bells and whistles, uh, different angles for the motors. You know, sure. Parts that don't burn you anymore. You know, it's, it's nice. Always a positive. It's a lot, it's a lot easier don't to Don't want to burn now. the baristas. <laughs> burn the barista, it sounds like a really bad uh, coffee festival, coffee and music festival. Um, so there are three locations. You've got my favorite, which I worked on the road uh, in the West Village. I get to see you very often on is the sidewalk. Is that the original? Is that the original? Yeah, West 10th is the, is the original location. Okay, about nine so you've years got now that. But now you guys are out in the Hamptons. Yes. Right? And also on uh, South Street Seaport. Yes. The Seaport was the second store. We had a pop-up in the Hamptons that we opened uh, three years ago. And then we moved into a, a full 1,500-square-foot space two summers ago. And so uh, we just have a blast out there in the summer with everybody. But we're, we're a year-round location. And uh, we also have a new location opening up on 6th and Downing in about four weeks. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, right, yeah, right next to 10 Downing. It's cool. Um, we'll have a, a full commissary in the back. We do a, a cold-pressed juice program, so we're going to be moving that out of that location and kind of ferrying that to the other stores. And we actually just hired a pastry chef as well. We're going to be slowly turning over all of the pastry items in our, uh, in our case. Great. Yeah, I will mean, you, now, the, will you still have those chocolate chip cookies? The Aunt Rosie's cookies are, you know, they're a house recipe. They will always be around, so you, you don't have to worry. I'm saying this with my hand on every holy text I've ever read. That is the best chocolate chip cookie I've ever had in my life. I mean, baked fresh in-house. How One can, dollar. How can you go wrong with that? Anyone who's near any of these locations should run, not walk to get one of these chocolate chip cookies. I'm serious. If you're lucky enough, sometimes if you go in around the five o'clock hour, you'll get them when they're just coming out of the oven. They're in and out all day. I Don't mean, you, even. you can get lucky and get delicious, nice warm Rosie's cookie. Now, David, you mentioned the cold pressed juices, which is something I want to talk about because what I love about Jack's, obviously in New York, we're not hard pressed to find a coffee place, but I think we are hard pressed to find a really good coffee place that's doing incredibly interesting stuff that doesn't just have to do with coffee. And one of my favorite items for sale at Jack's are uh, the series of cold pressed juices. My favorite being Mr. Green, I believe it's called. Yes, Mr. Green. Mr. Green. So what is it, what's the process of making a cold pressed juice and how does that differ from 
getting a juice anywhere else. So, I mean, there's two ways that, you know, you can generally make juice. And the way that most people are familiar with uh, is the way that they do it at home, generally. It's that kind of shreds everything up. It actually rips apart the cell wall of the plant and oxidizes all the nutrients and the enzymes. So you kill off a lot of the good stuff in the way that most people make juice. The way we do it, and the way that's kind of becoming popular around the city, is cold pressing. You mash all the fruit or the vegetables into a pulp. That's actually put in a silk bag and it's hydraulically pressed. So you don't rip anything apart and everything stays intact. So it has three to five times more of the vitamins and nutrients and all the enzymes are still you know, together. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I call, I call Jack's, the West Village location specifically, of the House of Power because... I, I worked on the block, and if I'm feeling under the weather or tired, I come out and I get one of those Mr. Green juices, which I think has, what is it, broccoli, kale. Uh, the Mr. Green ap- is kale, ginger. spinach, apple, cucumber, lemon, and ginger. And Beautiful. A little bit of celery. And then you get a, a finely pulled espresso and a delicious organic apple, uh, which brings me to another thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, all of the dairy and house at Jack's comes from the Hudson Valley Fresh Cooperative. Yes. Which is so cool. So it's local dairy. How? What's the relationship between Jack I mean, we actually, and that co-op? And like, Jack's, uh, Jack's was the first place to carry Hudson Valley Fresh in New York. Really? We kind of pioneered Hudson Valley Fresh, brought them into the city. You know, Sam Simon was you know, driving around, <clears throat> just shopping milk to everybody, and Jack and him met, and that was like a match made in heaven from there on out. Now, have they been on board since the beginning of Jack's? They used to use something a little bit different. They came on very, very shortly within like the first year. Okay. Awesome. So we kind of grew together. Amazing. Now, you've, when I met you, uh, it was in a different context and you've since taken over at Jack's and it's been such a cool thing to watch because you're obviously, you know, you've been beautifully paired and you guys are doing such cool things together. Um, What What's the? I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between uh, director of operations and an owner and a company specifically like Jack's, where Jack's obviously incredibly proactive. He's incredibly involved. He's hands-on. He's there frequently, and you're his right-hand man. So is this a matter of Jack sort of starts out the week and says, okay, this is what's going down. I'm going to send you to one of the three locations. Are you mobile? Are you in one store versus another? I'm, I'm pretty mobile. You know, I check in with the manager's. Uh, you know, daily. Uh, I mean, obviously the Hampton store, I would love to be able to go out there daily, but that's like (laughs) a a once a week thing. But, you know, for the most part, Jack is an innovator. He's always coming up with new ideas and I just kind of have to run behind him and catch them in a box and try and organize everything because, you know, the train is going very fast and, you know, you got to, you got to kind of hold on. Yeah. Um, Now you pull, what's, you pull a certain type of espresso shot. We pull a triple, triple ristretto shot. Okay. That's what I thought. Now what is... That means it's a little bit longer? It, so it, triple ristretto refers to the fact that the basket that holds the coffee has enough coffee in it, to, or enough espresso, to make three shots of espresso, and we pull that into a double shot. So it's a double shot pulled through three times the amount of res, uh, espresso. And twice the punch. Yeah, it's got, it's got a kick to it. So we were talking to Kevin earlier about the style of management and I think in, in, in the New York food and wine and beverage industry of having to look after your, your flock essentially and having to have their backs because so many of us in this industry do other things as well. That's the New York norm. Uh, so many actors and writers and musicians such as yourself. And it's been so cool for me as your friend to watch someone like Jack as a boss 
uh, give you the opportunity not only to flourish in this uh, in this role, but also to take time off and do a tour, for example, which you just got back from. Yes. Right. And how was that? That was that was really really good. Um, you know, I I play with a group called Trotta and Ronstadt, and I have James Dalton here with me, so we usually go by Trotta Ronstadt and Dalton. Um, and we were able to go out to Utah and Nevada and play 10 shows in four days and just, just have a blast. So I'm very, very lucky to have a boss that says, you know what, take your vacation time and go on tour, but you better be back uh, and we're going to grind. You better get back here. Yeah, it's coffee thing. season in the city. You need to get back. Any, right uh, any memorable food experiences on tour? And God's Grand Midwest. Yeah, the best uh, you know food experience was we get invited to this gentleman's house. He says, "Oh, you know what? He's been watching us the whole time at the festival." He says, "You gotta, you gotta come by. Just pick some apples and peaches at, at the shop at tomorrow." We're so like, "What? Okay, whatever." Stop by. This guy lives in the Garden of Eden. There's you know cows, sheep, ducks, geese, pigeons, every possible fruit and vegetable you can imagine. A dog and a cat, of course, and you know peacocks. we yeah ducks. No, two peacocks. Oh, two peacocks. peacocks. Yeah, two peacocks. Yeah. A horse. Noah's Ark was parked out back, yeah, and he was <laughs> loading, he was loading it up. He's like, it looks like rain, guys. Hop yeah, exa- in. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to talk to you more about your music, which is what we're going to do when we come back from a quick break. Uh, thank you so much, David, for talking to us. And in a moment, we're going to hear from Trotter, Ronstadt, and Dalton. We're here in the morning after on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to The Morning After. I'm your host, Jesse Kiefer, here with my lovely co-host, uh, Jen Tullock. We are going to shortly hear from uh, Trotta, Trotta and Ronstadt, Ronstadt and, and Dalton, not to be forgotten, who has a mandolin, which I'm incredibly excited to to check out. Um, but I just wanted to remind all of our listeners, if you like what you're hearing today, we have tons of great shows on Heritage Radio Network. And, you know, you can donate. You can become a member and keep us all rocking. I just got my membership card today, and I gotta tell you, they're slick. She's gonna try to use it at Macy's. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm gonna try to get some shoes. <laughs> but um, it's super easy. You just go online, and you you pick how much you want to donate, and you get some great discounts. Heritage Meat Shop, Saxoby Cheese, and... Um, I don't know. I'm excited about it, and, and it's so great for us to be able to have the community donate to what we work so hard on um, every week for you. And cool to be a part of a thing that's ever-growing. We're, we're a young network that's doing some really cool stuff and starting to get a lot of attention, so I, I would urge you to go and, and check out not just our program, but the others as well. And on that note, Miss Kiefer, it has been a true pleasure. It's been wonderful to talk to you Trotta through and microphones. Trotta and Dalton, would you play us out? Oh, we would, it would be our pleasure. We're coming. We're coming. You ready, Sarah? You can kick it without me. You, you, you. 
All I really need is you Donna, all I really need is you Rich or poor I trade it all For another moment with you It's a mean old world, and it'll eat you up. No, not if I'm with you. No, not if I'm with you. I ain't got no money, darling, but all I really need, all I really need is you. All I really need is you. All I really need is you. We're all living in the struggle. We're all working on our dreams. Someday we're gonna get there. Remember how we used to sing I ain't got no money down But all I really need All I really need is you All I really need is you All I really need is you You're all I really need And it's easy to see it's pure And it's easy to see it's true And it's listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.